You're listening to Just Chat with Drew. We go over anything and everything regarding topics and concerns that and questions you might have answers to for your daily life. For our guest, he is medical doctor and a very thought-provoking individual who wants to understand the science and the solutions to mental health. Dr. David Hans- Hanscom, if that's correct? Yes. Please give us a brief description about yourself. What do you do and talk about like what's your solutions, I guess, where did I'll start for you? Well, I'm going to work a little bit back. I don't go into too much detail here, but um, I'm a orthopedic spine surgeon. I did complex spine surgery for over 32 years and complex spine surgery might be the most stressful profession in medicine. You're working over delicate structures with big moves, surgeries can go eight, 10, 12 hours at a time. And it's a highly stressful world, both in the training and actually doing the surgery. So, what got me into trouble, I went through a severe chronic pain for 15 years, including 17 different physical and mental symptoms. I had no idea what happened. So I was a fearless spine surgeon. You know, my attitude was bring it on. Uh, I didn't know what anxiety was. And the way I dealt with anxiety in retrospect was just I suppressed it, number one. And second of all, my attitude was bring it on. You can't hurt me. And my nickname in high school was the brick. And so I did. I brought it on and... No matter how much stress I was under, I thought I could handle it, and I did. But I handled it by suppressing it. Well, it turns out that suppressing anything, especially negative emotions, actually shrinks the hippocampus of your brain, actually shrinks your brain, and actually increases, causes depression. And what it does when you're suppressing things, actually fires up your immune system, fires up your fight-or-flight physiology. So... I was a fearless spine surgeon and I was driving across the 520 bridge in Seattle about 10:31 one night and I was 37 years old and I had a panic attack. So I went from a no anxiety, honestly didn't know what it was to a panic attack, which I started breathing hard, sweating, felt like I passed out. And it was just a full fight or flight reaction. And that's what a panic attack is. It's just that you're in fight or flight, but without a reason. So that was the first of many panic attacks, and that started a 13-year ordeal into 17 different physical and mental symptoms. And I was done. I was suicidal in 2002. I tried to commit suicide. I, for the last minute, pulled out of it. I have 20 medical colleagues, by the way, who have committed suicide, including four medical school classmates. And that's a different part of the story, which I'll talk maybe about another day. But what happens is that I could not figure out how I went from being a fearless spine surgeon to crippling anxiety for over 15 years. So what happens is anxiety is simply a, what your body feels when it senses danger. So you fight or flight, your body's chemistry fires up, and how do you feel? You feel anxious. I went to psychotherapy for 13 years to try to solve this. I wanted to keep my job, of course, and I was able to work, but it wasn't very much fun. So I was just fighting anxiety every day, and then the thought patterns started to come into play, started to develop these obsessive thought patterns. And I developed, I call it an invasive form of these things, where the worst part of this entire deal were these unrelenting, unpleasant thoughts. Wouldn't stop. So I had a severe form of it. And so we'll get to that in a second. But my other symptoms included migraine headaches, my ears were ringing, my feet were burning, skin rashes were popping up my entire body. I had severe anxiety, mood swings, depression. I developed a full-blown obsessive compulsive disorder. My stomach was a mess, back pain, neck pain, tendonitis, and they're all gone. They're gone. 
but I don't have obsessive thought patterns. My migraines are gone. My ears don't ring. My feet don't burn. I don't have skin rashes. You go through the entire list, they are gone. So how could I go from 17 different symptoms to none, number one? How could, how could I develop 17 symptoms in the first place? And again, I thought anxiety was a psychological process. And I thought stress was a psychological construct. Turns out it's about the physiology of the body's chemistry. And I'll make one really critical point is that every living creature processes, the, processes their environment or their stresses or challenges. And then your brain takes all the sensory input and processes it and says either you're safe or you're danger. So when you're in danger or called threat physiology, your body is full of excitatory neurotransmitters called glutamate. Your nerve conduction doubles. Your stress chemicals goes up. Your body's immune system fires up, so your inflammatory state. And then cortisol goes up, so you're actually taking fuel out of your cells, including brain cells, tendons, ligaments, all sorts of things happen in constant fight or flight. So again, every living creature has the fight or flight response. It's how we survive. Humans have language that simply puts a label on it. My cat has the same, my cat has the same response, but she doesn't have a name for it. So humans have a name for it called anxiety. So we put that in a psychological bucket. The problem with that is that it is a physiological state. Why does it make a difference? This survival reaction processes about 20 to 40 million bits of information per second. 20 to 40. But I mean, everything's coming in. Body temperature, pupil dilation, heart rate, all these things are processed by the millisecond. Enzyme reactions, et cetera. Guess how much the conscious brain processes? Probably like a, a little bit, like a little bit, like 40, huh? 40, 40 million compared to 40. So remember in the evolution of billions of years, the yeah. language human brain came to life only about a hundred thousand years ago or less. So you have this mismatch of your conscious survival response and your conscious brain. So again, humans have language that evolved in the last hundred thousand years. So we give meaning to these unpleasant reactions. Well, the way consciousness is formed, you're interpreting your body's internal signals and you're either safe or you're in danger. And humans have a deep need to feel safe. Feeling safe is what drives us to stay alive and thrive. But when we can't achieve safety, what do we do? You like we panic. Act right. We act, right. We do whatever it takes to be safe. Mm -hmm. So there are a bunch of things that we do. So first of all, when you feel safe, I mean, your body's full of Dopamine, serotonin, um, your inflammatory responses go down to actually anti-inflammatory. And it's a deep sense of calm and contentment. Mm -hmm. We like that, right? I mean, you look at your life in general, what you want to do is to actually feel safe. So when you don't feel safe, you start doing things in order to feel safe. I would say one thing first that I'll come back to and why we're on this podcast today is that for humans, we have language. We give meaning to these unpleasant survival sensations. And so they come out in the form of repetitive, unpleasant thoughts. So if you're in fight or flight, your your conscious brain is interpreting your unconscious brain. And so you have this massive number of unpleasant thoughts that don't stop. So it's a human condition issue. If you come from a very difficult background, you have more unpleasant thoughts than somebody who was nurtured as a kid. I came from a very abusive background. And so these thought patterns never stop. 
So then we're trying to use cognitive means, psychology, behavioral modification, et cetera, to deal with these thought patterns where it's really a reflection of your unconscious brain. But it's a million to one ratio. How's that going to work? I not don't know. Like how that? <laughs> it's just not that's, possible. That's, no, it's not working. So the mental health world looks at these as unsolvable. <clears throat> but mm -hmm. the problem is they haven't addressed the physiology, which is the driving force. So again, physiology is how the body functions. And metaphor is that of a parked car has no symptoms, you have to turn the car on. So the physiology of the car is how the car runs and functions. Same thing with the human body. The body has heart rate, blood pressure, all these things. The function of the body is called physiology. Again, this physiology process is about 20 to 40 million bits of information per second. It's unbelievable. The conscious brain process is 40. So you can't control the physiology. So we have the name for it called anxiety. Anxiety and anger are hardwired automatic survival responses that we have no control over. Zero control. Something threatens us, bam, our body responds. Look at my cat. Quick sound, she, all of a sudden she's like this. Dolphins, for instance, sleep with one eye open. So life is not our friend for anybody. For any living creature, life to stay alive is a challenge, including humans. Mm -hmm. So we're always on some degree of alert, no matter what. And if you come from a very abusive background or bullied or whatever at school, there's lots of things that abuse us in life, you're on high alert. So it takes less stress to set off this fight or flight. So again, we call it the dynamic healing model. You have your circumstances or input. You have your nervous system that processes it. Then you have your body's physiology. So your body's supposed to go into fight or flight when there's danger. Then, But you have to relax and calm down in order to regenerate in order to have the fuel to fight another day. So it's back and forth all day long, very dynamic. And so the essence of chronic illness, mental and physical, is the same thing. So every chronic disease, mental and physical, has the same problem with sustained threat physiology. So it's like driving your car down the freeway in second gear, it's going to break down. So unless you rebuild it, refuel it, whatever you want to need to do to calm it down, your car is going to break down. Same thing like with weight training. When you're actually doing the weight training, strength training, your muscles are breaking down. You have to rest in order for the muscles to heal and build up. Or like marathon runners, if they overtrain, they break the bodies down. So they train at a certain point, then they rest, then the body rebuilds. Same thing with your whole body. If you're in sustained fight or flight or threat physiology, your body breaks down. So the essence of all chronic disease, mental and physical, comes from the same source of sustained threat physiology. So for me... This so which the the way you heal is that you decrease time in threat, increase time in safety. You do this every day, just not to regulate the physiology. So you cannot control anxiety and anger. Again, they're physiological reactions, but you can regulate it. So trying to control it is like trying to stop a an eleven thousand horsepower dragster with bicycle handbrakes. You can't control it. Right. We have the steering wheel. Right. We can direct right. it. Okay. So the one concept I want you people to understand today is that when you feel anxious, it's your body keeping you safe. And it's supposed to be unpleasant because it's a survival sensation. Nobody's ever going to like anxiety. It's not supposed to be that way. The problem is we take it personally. In other words, we feel fight or flight, we feel anxious. And so we fight it because, you know, we don't, somehow we think stress is psychological 
And if we feel stressed out, somehow we're wimps. Well, the harder you fight this unconscious survival reaction, the worse it gets. So what happens, you develop, I call it a working relationship with anxiety and anger. And so the way you lower, okay, let me ask you a question. So rhetorical question. <laughs> okay, okay, so anxiety is just what you feel when you're in fight or flight. What do you uh, feel when you're, when you're in fight or flight? flight? You feel anxious. Yeah. It's not responsive to rational control. So right. how, do you, how do you lower anxiety? You have to, I guess, find your way a sense where like you're in a state of calm and like that could be with people, your friends, or just somewhere secluded in the room, like where the noise is quiet and you just probably, then you count backwards or you just see, point out where what's around the room to like, calm yourself down. Cause there was a show like Bojack Horseman talks about this, where someone was going through um anxiety attack and he had to really single out, okay, I see, I see that. And now I feel more at a calmer state. Right. So that's a good answer, by the way. It's better than most I can get. So the bottom line is, okay, anxiety is unresponsive to rational interventions. So what you're doing is that you call, you lower your threat physiology. So just visualize a thermometer on the opposite wall that's really high. Quote, you feel anxious. That's just your stress chemistry. And there's ways of simply lowering your stress chemistry. So you can do that through one of three ways. There's the input, the nervous system, and the output. So you can directly lower the output of the physiology by stimulating what's called the vagus nerve, which is highly anti-inflammatory. So there's a sympathetic nervous system where fight or flight is a sympathetic nervous system, and the common effect is a parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system. And there's a lot of tools that actually stimulate the vagus nerve or parasympathetic nervous system to calm down. So for instance, slow breathing, breath work, mindfulness, humming, by the way, stimulates the seventh cranial nerve, which stimulates the vagus nerve. Certain pitches of music are calming. So there's a bunch of ways of actually calming down the threat physiology. You're listening to Just Chat with Drew. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for a personalized senior housing placement in Maryland? Look no further than Senior Care Placement and Consulting Incorporated. With over 24 years of experience, our dedicated team ensures your loved ones receive the best care possible. Whether it's assisted living, respite care, or home care, we tailor our services to meet your unique needs. Trust us to find the perfect placement. Visit SeniorCare-Placement.com for a free consultation today. So the bottom line is there's a bunch of ways, and I don't think we should go into this today, and again, I'm going to direct people to my resources. Um, we talked about the website backincontrol.com, and you're, you're going to give a link to the resources page. But I developed an app and also a course that allows you to understand the nature of anxiety, the physiology. And then we call it dynamic healing. There's ways of processing the input so it's not so it has, has less impact on your nervous system. So okay. it's about, I call it becoming a professional and living your life. There's ways of processing the input or your circumstances that have less impact on your nervous system. In two categories of that is one of them, letting go and anger processing. I don't like the word forgiveness. It's too big of a word, but that's a different topic. But the other thing is, what are you inputting into your nervous system? What's the input? Mm-hmm. So one of the basic rules of solving anxiety is no discussing your pain, medical care, complaining, gossiping, criticizing, giving unasked for advice, watching violent movies, even watching the news these days, stop it. Just stop. Because you have the input that's processed by your nervous system. 
that translates into threat physiology. So remember, your circumstances translate into physiology, translates into symptoms. Because if your whole body is on fire and fired up, is that psychological? No. Mm -mm. So then the nervous system, you can um, diet, exercise, and sleep, make the nervous system less reactive. If you come from a abusive background, there's trauma therapy that, teach you how to, that teaches you how to calm down, but that's tricky because simply talking about your past actually makes it worse. Because it kind of brings up the stress again, and they kind of feel like, oh, man, I'm in this situation now, and I relive in the trauma. Right. And, and actually, the traditional trauma therapy has been a disaster. There's a new wave of trauma therapy of actually teaching how to calm down. And the metaphor I like to use is that of a feral cat who's hyper alert all the time, like he or she should be. You come from an abusive background, you were in danger, you weren't felt, you don't know how to feel safe. And so, yeah, you're like a feral cat on high alert. So you actually can't fix that, hmm. but you can rebuild your brain. See, we're programmed by our entire life to this very second. The beauty of that is you, from this very second on, you can rebuild what you want. See, so if you're focused on the problem, where's your attention? It's on the problem. So there's two parts to healing. One of them is you learn how to live with your stress physiology. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be unpleasant. You don't have to like it or conquer it because you can't. So you first of all separate your identity from this stress reaction, which is supposed to feel unpleasant. The problem is when you feel stress physiology, you feel guilty, ashamed, all these different emotions come through, but it's just your stress physiology. So as you learn to separate your identity from the stress reaction, then you don't have to take it personally. It's just, it's what you have, not who you are. So that's one half of the equation. Then the other half of the equation is nurturing joy. It's like learning a new language. So to have a good life, you have to live a good life. You're not going to learn French by not speaking English. That's right? true. That's true. And so it's how your brain works. It's, it's programming, programming, programming. So by calming down the physiology, you can learn to work with it. Your identity is over here, not the stress physiology. You don't have to conquer right. it. Remember, there's a million to one mismatch anyway. Right. And so once you learn to calm down the physiology, then you have choice. And the choice is play, good food, good wine, good friends, et cetera. Except if you're pursuing pleasure to out outrun your anxiety, guess what? That is actually inflammatory. So look at all the superstars that have everything you can imagine. They commit suicide. Why is that? Oh, they right? basically, they yeah. They just, they don't, um, like they, they kind of run away from the trauma. They just keep coming back with, like, say, for instance, um, what's his name? That's this, this great actor that's always in, like, um, comedy movies. Yeah, like Robin, Robin Williams. Robin. Yeah, him, he... Like, no, most talented, like, likable guy then just committed suicide because of what he kept building up inside. And yeah. it's basically just hurting yourself in the process because you don't really heal or dissociate yourself from, like, this is the past and it stays in the past. And now it could change for a better future and turn a new leaf. Right. But see, the problem is you can't control your physiology. I mean, you can regulate your physiology, but you cannot control your thoughts. So right. here's the problem. it's still going to be there. And what's sort of odd about the Robert Williams story, um, I when I was in the worst part of my chronic pain, which was a disaster, I call it the abyss, I sort of was obsessed with Robert Williams. He had everything. I had nothing. And when he committed suicide, it blew me away. But you look at the people who commit suicide that are high-profile people that have everything. 
So what happened? Okay, so here's the problem with the human condition. We cannot escape our thoughts. So look at the dynamic healing model of the input nervous system and the output. Your thoughts are input. They actually are processed in the same way as physical pain, but we have no protection from our thoughts. With physical pain, we have automatic withdrawal response. With our unpleasant thoughts, we have no protection. So we suppress them. It turns out suppressing thoughts things makes things way worse, is even more inflammatory. So if you experience a thought, you're in trouble. If you suppress your, suppress them, you're in more trouble. Then what happens is, you know, when you suppress a thought, it becomes stronger. And there's a trampoline effect where it becomes much stronger. So I wrote an article called Your Demons Are Your Robot. So you suppress thoughts, some crazy thought 20 years ago, and it comes up again, you suppress it again. You suppress it, suppress it, because why wouldn't you? It's not who you are. But the problem is the most well-intentioned people, well people have a bigger problem with this because you interpret more thoughts as negative. And over time, they've come into these monsters or demons. They're actually who you are not, right? Right. You wouldn't, why would you suppress them if they were who you were? So the problem is that the most well-intentioned people that could really do a lot of good in the world are actually crippled by anxiety. It's a disaster, right? And it's Right, and it's interesting because the same um, people that are that tripping with anxiety just, you know, either they take it as like, okay, this is who I am, or just say, hey, I'm going through this and I want everyone to know because it's a very um, crucial topic to have, like spread awareness. And not a lot of people would just, you know, take it seriously. Some would just treat it as, oh, I have anxiety too because I'm nervous on a test. But it's an actual real issue thing. It's supposed to have anxiety. That's how we survive. You have to have anxiety to cross the street. Mm -hmm. This is a necessary thing to stay alive. So remember, we're pursuing safety. And when we can't get it, we do what it takes to actually act out and get it. So the problem is human beings cannot escape their consciousness. So what happens is that we... we then use manipulative behaviors or we actually go to addictions of whatever kind work alcohol gambling whatever it is which actually allays anxiety so yeah. it works while you're in the process and so that's why addictions are so powerful because it actually covers up anxiety hmm. but of course it doesn't work but the thing that's so deadly in the human experience i think this is a human experience human existence problem we cannot escape our thoughts other mammals don't commit suicide we do why it's, and what took me out in spite of all my physical symptoms was the obsessive thought patterns. I couldn't get rid of them. They were torturous. And teens are committing suicide. People in their 20s are committing suicide. And, and again, it's a huge conversation here so about what to do about it because this is a solve, solvable problem. Yeah. But the problem is what happens we take... So again, there's two parts of healing. You learn to live with your um, physiology. You separate your identity. Then you nurture joy, which I wasn't taught how to do. But if you're using joy and pleasure to outrun these circuits, it's actually inflammatory, makes things work. You cannot outrun yourself off physiology. So they're two separate skill sets. Learn how to process physiology. They're linked, but you can't use your circumstances and experience to outrun the physiology. It's a million to one ratio. So it's, there's four parts to him. So you cannot outrun your thoughts. We're trapped. All of us are trapped to some degree. The more stress you're under, these thoughts always get worse. That's been well-documented. So under stress, of course, your whole body fires up. So right. stress is a physiological state that creates a sensation called anxiety. So stress is not psychological. It causes physiological reactions. So what happens, you learn to separate from your physiology. 
You learn to nurture joy. And the healing occurs with creativity and joy. Because now you're developing, you're literally reconstructing your brain. So instead and of that's how you do it. Instead of, instead, of, instead of fighting off the negative physiology, you yeah. know, quit, quit fighting darkness, just turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. Well, again, that's a skill. So you need to learn how to be with the darkness. I mean, just literally being in the darkness, and then you decide to switch on the lights. They're two separate things. If you fight the darkness, guess what? It encompasses you. Mm-hmm. It becomes who you are. And then right. so the exciting part for me, I actually quit right. my surgery. Because it turns out I was doing major spine surgery on anxiety. You're right. The success rate of a spine fusion for back pain is about 20%. And the actually making you worse is about 40%. So I'm the salvage guy doing this complex operation to try to salvage people's lives that have been destroyed by spine surgery. And I'm watching hundreds of people get better and thrive with no risk at all. And so as you learn to separate your identity and learn how to reprogram your brain in a different direction, People's not only do they come out of the hole, they actually thrive at a level they did not know was possible. So I have racing thoughts like everybody else does, but I don't have the intrusive thoughts. I don't have the unpleasant thoughts. They're gone. Mm-hmm. So that's unheard of in the mental health world. Mm-hmm. So the metaphor, I'm, I'm trying to finish off with two things here because it's a big topic. So the metaphor I use is that of a hornet's nest. <clears throat> they have a hornet's nest. Okay, so they're building a nest, they're collecting food, they're reproducing. They're just doing a hornet's do. That's what they're supposed to do. And so the metaphor is the nest is your brain. And the thoughts are wandering around outside the nest doing what they're supposed to do. You're looking around the world, making appropriate decisions. But somebody comes along and shakes the nest. What are the hornets do? They're not very happy. Right. They're out there buzzing right. around. And there's never hornets out there. So the hornets represent your thoughts. So what we're doing in the mental health world is that we're trying to deal with the thoughts after they're, after they're out of the nest. So we're finding bad thoughts with good thoughts with an endless battle. So I'm trying to get rid of these hornets with a fly swatter or some type of spray. The answer is quit shaking the nest. Simple. So that's what you can do. There's a bunch of ways to comment on the physiology, either directly increase the resiliency of the nervous system or change in the input. So remember, it's input, nervous system, output. Stress yeah. translates into physiology, translates into symptoms. So as you learn to calm down the nervous system, learn how to input things differently, learn how to calm the physiology, this thoughts start to drop down, then the thoughts themselves are a threat. And so it's very bidirectional. So you, as the nervous system calms down, the thoughts drop down, less thoughts, less negative input. And so my OCD is gone. A lot of people don't have OCD, but they have unpleasant thoughts to the point they're frustrated with them. And again, from under more stress, they get fired up or coming from an unpleasant background, they're more pervasive. So as you learn how to calm your physiology, and then as a separate skills that nurture joy, your brain changes physical structure with neuroplasticity. So the final thing I'll say around these thought patterns, that it is solvable. I would encourage you to look at my resources. My challenge is to make it a little bit simpler and clearer I would say this paradigm came into my head about six months ago after 30 years of searching why I went from being a major spine surgeon to crippling anxiety in one day. (laughs) And so again, I went to psychotherapy for 13 solid years to fix this. But again, I'm fighting darkness. So I came out of it by luck, almost didn't make it through. And so not only do people come out of the hole, they thrive at a level they did not know was possible because creativity comes back. 
you start building a brain that you didn't know existed. So you don't have to fight anxiety anymore. You just learn to live with it, work with it. And as you learn to separate from it, it becomes less of an intrusive factor anyway. Again, never supposed to be pleasant. You're not going to conquer it. So there's four parts to heal. First, one want to call it thought separation. You can't control them. But there's, a, there's an exercise called expressive writing where the thoughts are on the table. You're here. It's just an exercise. You simply write your thoughts down and tear them up. And do it once or twice a day, five, ten minutes or less. There's also mindfulness is a thought separation exercise. There's also reframing your thoughts. But again, it's an important part of it, but it's not the solution because you get this fired up brain. So the second thing is actually calming the nervous system, basically dealing with anger. And it's sort of a complex topic I'm not going to touch on today, but there's a bunch of ways to get through the dynamic healing model of actually calming down the nervous system. Right. So again, all separation, calming down the the third step is creativity. Hmm. That's where the healing occurs as you put your brain in a different direction, then it's game on. But you can't do creativity if you're fighting off anxiety and frustration. Then the final part is that we resort to power and control to feel safe. And look at the human right. experience about power and control. Right. I mean, it's so blatant that it's known that people that are bullied have higher inflammatory markers, that people who are not bullied but what's disturbing is that the bullies have lower inflammatory markers. So what we call socialization is actually a power struggle right from the beginning. So there's actually a physiolog physiological reward for anger, power, and control. So why would you give it up? So that's a problem for the human experience. So what happens is you go through thought separation, you calm down the nervous system, nurture creativity. What happens, one reason what we do, we create these stories about ourselves, self-esteem and ego. Right? right, we want to forget about ourselves. Once you learn to live with survival physiology, you don't need an ego, because a lot of these thought patterns are based on cognitive distortions. So our self-esteem is based on cognitive distortion. So the pursuit of self-esteem, by the way, is a disaster at the highest level. Probably the one thing in the human experience that's the worst thing ever is self-esteem. Using cognitive process to deal with the unconscious brain, your thoughts, your self-esteem is based almost completely on cognitive distortions. Then you're using more cognitive distortions to even make yourself feel better, and it doesn't work. So the final part of the process, you can't dissolve your ego because you don't need to defend it anymore. You, just, you feel okay with your survival physiology. Your ego starts to dissolve. Then it's game on. Not that, I don't, not that I'm in the point where I have no ego. I have some, but nothing like I did. My whole identity is being this big spine surgeon, et cetera, et cetera. It's all gone. So again, four parts to healing is thought separation. Number two, calming down the nervous system. Number three, nurturing creativity. And the final part is dissolution of the ego. Repetitive thought patterns are a problem for most people at some level. You know, minimal, frustrating, distracting. I had what I call it an invasive form, just prefer, you know, really came through my entire life. And when I ask people about their mental pain versus physical pain, you know, I'm a surgeon. I, I say, look, can I get rid of your physical pain with surgery or the mental pain will continue? Every one of them wants to get rid of the mental pain. They can't, they can deal with the physical pain, but they can't deal with the mental pain. Mm -hmm. So a young professional come to me about six months ago for some other reasons, came out that he has severe intrusive thought patterns for 15 years. He's only 35 years old. And within three months, it disappeared. And I was shocked. And he said, look, in the mental health world, this is considered revolutionary. Um, I'm out of it. 
I have multiple other people that are out of it. And again, the more of an accomplished person you are, the worse the problem. And so it's by letting go and moving forward to where you wanted to go is how you heal. And the mental health world, again, looks at this, it looks at this as unsolvable, but they're dealing with the hornets after they're out of the nest. They haven't addressed the physiology. It's by learning self-calming tools and then redirecting thought patterns, separating from them. It's a very solvable problem. And that's all you need to know, because at the end of the day, we all could use something to really calm ourselves down and really find the solution to stop the hornets and, of course, eliminate the hornet's nest so we never have to go that situation again. Right. But, well, okay, let me just, let me just say one thing. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. This is, this, this is a really critical point, the whole thing. Yeah. So this happens every day. We're stressed every day. We're challenged every day. We have fight or flight every day. Remember, that's what the body is supposed to do. Something threatens you, real or perceived, you go into fight or flight. That's what the body is supposed to do. So you process that, and then you get into safety physiology as quickly as you can. But if you fight the anxiety frustration, you've made it worse. So it's a very dynamic day-to-day -day process. The tools become automatic repetition. It just becomes an easier way to navigate life. So the answer is you always go into fight or flight. You always have anxiety. You always have anger, but they don't run your life anymore. It's really a key issue. So yeah, it's a dynamic process. You become very skilled in navigating stress and life changes. Where can we find you, uh, Dr. Dan? Because you have powerful information and you have, you said, multiple books and coaching, um, I guess, courses for people to really find that in themselves. Right. So where can you find? You could drop those here. We have an app and a course called the DOC Journey, Direct Your Own Care. This is all very self-directed. I like yes. people to help when they can. So my website is backincontrol.com, one word, backincontrol.com. Then you're going to give them, on the top of the page, there's a resources link. And that's the link I, I would ask that you give them, this resources page. So it gives you access to my two courses, a couple of books I've written. I also do coaching twice a week in a group setting. I've also write for Psychology Today, which has over a million views. And so there's lots of articles, lots of resources on the on the process. But look at this. I call it becoming, becoming a professional and living your life. You become professional. You become proficient at processing adversity. You become proficient at nurturing joy. And you actually change this physical structure of your brain. So it's a very consistent process. The key, key issue, like any learning skill, is repetition, repetition, repetition. And life changes. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Right. David. And y'all, please prioritize yourself, prioritize your mental health, and we'll get through this together. Life may not be your friend, but we're all in this together. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. All right. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to Just Chatting with Drew. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for more information and updates on the next episode and give us a follow on instagram just chatting with drew and my instagram drew.n96 to keep yourself updated and links to share your voice tell me what you think about the pod tell me think about the episode and what more topics you want to hear from i'd love to hear back from you guys and yeah I'll see you guys next time peace